You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, the podcast for small to medium sized enterprises. Join your host, Anne Marie Cross, as she interviews business experts and industry thought leaders on best practice initiatives, innovation, and insights to help you grow your business. Now, over to your host. Welcome to another Smart Connect podcast. This is episode 15, featuring business experts and industry thought leaders to help you effectively navigate a constantly changing and disruptive marketplace. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. According to YCharts.com, 97% of sales occur offline, and in retail, that climbs to 8.5% in the US. Are your marketing spend and efforts properly balanced between online and offline? To speak more about this on today's show is Ian Bosler. With over 30 years in corporate marketing and sales experience, mainly gained in the printing and graphics industry, Ian is now applying his extensive international experience to help coaches and consultants to build seven-figure businesses that are highly profitable and that become a saleable asset. Ian's done-with-you approach quickly builds highly automated marketing and sales processes that work in the offline and the online world. That is today's reality. And on today's show, Ian is going to speak about the traditional sales funnel thinking it's flawed and it's costing businesses serious dollars. He's also going to talk about attract, sell and wow. And these are the only three frameworks any business needs to be concerned with to build highly automated and scalable marketing and sales processes. He's also going to speak about the reality is that we live in an offline and an online world and your marketing and sales communications must work across both mediums or face oblivion. So let's welcome Ian to the show. Welcome Ian. Glad to be here, Anne-Marie. Lots of exciting things that we're going to talk about today. And before we hit record, we were commenting that, you know, in today's noisy world with so many different experts and so-called, you know, marketing gurus telling us one thing, another, sometimes it's conflicting. We're really confused as business owners. What should we be doing? What's working? So it's great that you're coming on the show to help us take some of that confusion out of what we should be doing. Why are you so passionate about this industry? Always love to find out what is it that really excites you about working in the space? that you are? For me, it was uh, like an epiphany when I started my own business 14 years ago. And coming from the corporate world, you know, I thought I knew everything. You know, I thought, oh, small business is going to be a walk in the park. But it's not until you actually get out there and into it Mm -hmm. that you really don't realise how much you don't know. You know, I have this term, unconsciously incompetent. Yes. See, I just didn't realise I was incompetent in a lot of these things. But I also quickly came to realize that this was not just something I struggled with, but it was something that the vast majority of small businesses struggle with. And while I was starting out in this small small business, I also realized that small business was really the engine room of every economy in the world. You know, it's the real driver of employment. Uh, It's a real driver of economic wealth. It's the real driver of a tax base that supports any economy as well. And with the poor marketing and sales process, I saw that a lot of small businesses were missing out on a lot for their own personal perspective, their own personal finances, but also contributing 
to this economy that we have here in Australia and actually the global economy. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what drives me, is being able to help people make a dent in the universe one small business at a time. Absolutely. And when you think that how many businesses are entering the marketplace, and many of them do have a real drive to make a difference in the lives of others, as we know, with so much noise out there, if their message is not being heard, guess what? Their ideal client is going to continue their struggles and not going to be able to get the support that they need. Now, I know in business, we've probably all heard of that term, the sales funnel. And one of the things that you're saying now is because of things that have changed things that are going on in the market that that traditional sales funnel thinking it's flawed and it could be costing us serious dollars let's talk more about that the funnel approach was quite flawed about 10 years and where it came from is you know i suppose my background was very much in the corporate marketing and sales environment where everything was all about the funnel and it was all about put lots of leads in at the top and then the salesperson will convert a few out the bottom and they just fall out Okay, so it's sort of like gravity takes care of it all. Mm -hmm. But it was a way of explaining how corporates organise themselves. You had the marketing department and the sales department. The marketing department put in lots more leads than the sales department could convert into paying customers. But it dawned on me that that's not how customers buy. Wouldn't it be better if we organised ourselves to communicate to our marketplace and run a marketing and sales process that followed how a customer buys. Once you get into alignment, then it becomes simple and easy to see where all the gaps are, where all the opportunities are, and you can actually start to automate it. You can automate the, the transition from stage to stage all the way through the marketing and sales process. Whereas in the traditional funnel, you can't. There's no way you can visualise how that automation can work in a traditional funnel. And that's why I believe it's totally flawed. Yeah. It's something we should all get out of our thinking. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing this in small, so solopreneurs, right through to even SMEs, that uh, if they're following this traditional sales funnel because they're not tracking and monitoring, they're not obviously enhancing the, the process and they can't track it. What you can't track, you can't monitor and, and you know enhance. So what should we be doing instead? Let's talk about some of the fundamental changes that we need to make when we're talking about a sales funnel. The first thing you should do is just stop thinking about yourself. Start thinking about your ideal client. In fact, just define your ideal client, which a lot of businesses don't do. And a lot of businesses don't even have a niche, let alone defining the ideal client within that niche. And I'd go as far as to say my experience is showing that probably close on 95% of small businesses, they figure that their niche is anybody with a wallet. And that's the wrong thinking. Thinking of that, you should think of who you like to work with, get to that ideal client, that ideal niche that you want to work in. And you'll start to have a lot more fun, mm -hmm. but also sales just start to happen. Now, one of the things I always say to my clients is, is that it's okay to service more than one niche, but it's not okay to market to everybody. So my view is to start with a niche, get it working, and you'll actually start to attract people outside of that niche. And that's okay if you've got time and resources to, to be able to, have to handle that work. Mm. Go for it. And then possibly create a second niche or a third niche. But it's not okay to just be all things to all people because no one will hear you. Your customers don't want to hear 
that. They want to hear what you can do for them and their particular circumstantial problem. And I think that is so true, even more so now because of the fact that there is so much information being shared. I mean, we've all been told as businesses for many, many years now, we need to create content and it's getting distinguishably harder to really cut through all of that noise. But we need to be very aware, don't we, of who our ideal client, what keeps them up at night, what are they struggling with, what are some of the common terms and phrases they're using to describe Mm. their problem. If we don't know that, our message is often falling on deaf ears, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. They just don't hear it at all. They don't see your message. They don't hear it because it's not directed at them. Uh, You need to be able to cut through the noise. It's actually an increasing, exponentially increasing cacophony of noise that's happening, particularly in the online world. Now, because it's in the online world, that can also offer some opportunities in the offline world. So, for example, I know what your inbox is like, but my emails, I get over 300 emails a day. That's not spam emails. I'd double that if I counted my spam emails. But if somebody's trying to get a message in front of me through my inbox, forget it. It's just not going to cut through. Now, I don't think I'm that different to most people, but I've just come from a walk to our letterbox. There was two things in there at our business letterbox, yeah. only two items, and that's a typical day, yeah. and one of those items happened to be a bill, okay? So guess what? I had a look, walking back from the letterbox, at what that promotional item that was stuck in my letterbox. Cut through, <laughs> even though it was poorly targeted. That was a a negative from that perspective, but at least it cut through. It wasn't hidden in all this noise. So sometimes being counter-cyclical where the messages are going can be very helpful as well. Yes. When everyone's zigging, you zag and and vice versa. You really can uh, make a dent and, and, and be heard. Let's talk a little bit about the Attract, Sell and Wow being the only three frameworks that any business needs to be concerned with. And this can be very much built into a highly automated and scalable marketing and sales process. Let's talk a little bit about what's the things that we should consider when we're talking about each of those three things, Attract, Sell and Wow. That's great. You're right, Henry. There's just those three things that we need to worry about. First off, you've got to be attracting people or prospects Mm -hmm. to you. And that's, first off, that's that niche marketing component. You've got to be attracting the right people. You've got to be giving them, talking to them in the right language. And you'll attract more of the right people to you. And there's other means of attracting, you know, there's, you've got advertising, for example, you know, whether it's Google Pay Per Click. Uh, Facebook ads, or whether it's direct marketing, network marketing, it's going out and networking in network groups, going to exhibitions, getting your story out there mm. uh, is part of that attract phase. And that's, I think everybody understands that, that. But doing it in the correct way is the way you, so that you can measure it and capture people as they get attracted to you. Mm-hmm. So it's about attracting and capturing as well at that point. So it's about getting building a list is the terminology quite often here. And it's so true. It's building a database, building, adding content into your CRM system, which allows you to then continue to market or move them down their buying process. And that's when you think about it, when somebody's got a problem, they go out searching for solutions. 
Okay, so that's a solution. They might Google it. They might go to the yellow pages. They might see something in their letterbox, see something to classify it out in a newspaper. All of these things, when they're thinking about their problem, is when their brain's tuned and their eyes are tuned to see potential solutions. And so that's the attractors, because that attract process now we're starting to mirror the buying process. We're starting to be the answer to their problems when they've got a problem. Yes. So Ian, just talking about the attract pro, um, the, the attract pillar or the framework, do you find that if uh, we're not tracking that, it may very well be that our message is not right, we're not speaking enough to our niche client, but then there may also be other areas where we're seeing, okay, when I went to that networking group, there were 20 people there and 18 of them wanted to know more information. Yet when I was doing Facebook ads, only a few, so maybe I need to retarget. So once we start to really monitor, we can see what's working well for us and continue to make sure that we're doing that because of the fact that it is attracting a lot more of our ideal clients. Is that kind of the thing that you're finding we're not doing well when we're not tracking? When it comes to the attract piece, I think one of the things we do badly is get distracted by the latest bright, shiny object. Mm, yes. And that confuses the hell out of so many people. And you mentioned something there like Facebook ads. There's a big difference, for example, between a Facebook ad and a Google pay-per-click ad. Now, people go to Google and do a search when they have a problem. So they're actually fairly well down the buying cycle. They've actually said, they've defined they've got a problem. Now they're looking for a solution. Whereas people, when they're on Facebook, they're not there looking for a solution. Their mind's not attuned to that. They're looking for something else. They're looking for social engagement. They may find something, oh, that looks interesting. It might have some value, but I'm not. that's not solving my problem. So you've really got to treat each avenue different, like your network meeting, the people around the network table. Depending on the networking organisation, some of them are looking for work they're looking for referrals they're looking for you to give them some money which i suggest is probably the wrong networking group to be in if your group's like that but others are there looking to now how can i add value to this group how can i refer somebody how can i do this so they're getting a level of interest in you that's very different to somebody who's doing google search or somebody who finds you through facebook so your process and your messaging and your story has to be different for each yes like for example in our printing business if somebody finds us on google they're going to go straight to the quote. They basically fast-track through the attract process and fast-track through the sell process to getting a proposal. So we collapse that down to hours, mm-hmm. even minutes at some stage sometimes because they're searching, they're really keen to solve a problem. Whereas if somebody I attract by my Facebook, they're in a long-term nurture process. Mm-hmm. They will not probably not become a client for months, maybe even years. But we need to, every business needs to be looking at having multiple pillars of attraction, whether it's networking, face-to-face sales, cold calling, what have you. Um, every business is different and every business owner is different. They've got different um, strengths in any of these attraction processes. So, yeah, there's no one right one, but one thing that is right is that you should be measuring it. Yes. But it's not just measuring the attract bit. You've got to measure right to the end of the whole process because attracting and then you've got this conversion piece, then you've got the average dollar value of a sale, the lifetime value of a customer, 
it's not until you understand the whole the metrics across the whole marketing and sales process through attract, sell, and wow, can you actually really define whether your attract, you know, your attract spend is profitable or not? Well, let's talk. I know that you've touched on the, the sell, and then we're going to talk about the wow. But what are some other factors that we need to consider in the sell framework? Sell for many business owners, it's a four-letter word. I see it constantly where people avoid the term. Oh no, I don't sell in my business. I market. People buy from me, I don't sell to them. And that is, I think this comes from this connotation people have their heads, that the sales processes, they picture these, the quintessential used car salesman yeah. or the foot in the door, encyclopedia <laughs> salesman and all of this sort of thing. Mm. And nobody wants to be like that. And I don't want to be like that either. I don't, I don't see myself as that at all. But it's very, very important that you actually see that the function has to happen, that you sell something to a client. You're not marketing something to a client. Marketing is attracting. Selling is actually getting them to press hard to make them three copies, try to fill out the purchase order, pay online, you know, buy something through your e-commerce site. The sale has to happen. And that is where the customer appreciates the value that you're delivering or that they're going to exchange dollars for is, is very part, that's that, I suppose that value exchange piece is really mm. what the self piece is about. And to get to there, it's sort of like um, in the old days before the internet, um, it used to be, sales used to be done face to face, primarily. And that means that people would be having a conversation. They'll be working on both sides of the, the value chain. Somebody will be giving information, the customer gives some information, the, the business will be asking questions and gathering information and fashioning a proposal or a solution that neatly matches the client's or the prospect's requirements. And that's what we call the education side of the sales framework. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very important piece. Now, with online, you can use some online tools to facilitate that. Absolutely. You know, video is a great one to do that. Um, podcasts, again, a great piece. Mm -hmm. you know, content can come really strong into the educational piece. So when you're doing content marketing, I find that it's more valuable to me and my clients to use that content as the education piece rather than the attract piece. Right. Now, what happens is, is when you get enough of that education in the going in the, and you do it strategically in the education piece, you can recycle that into content that gives you good organic searching capability or, or organic rankings from Google. It gets you out there in the marketplace and people, you can start to attract a few people. Mm -hmm. But that's a really long, slow burn. That's why I say focus your content around the education of prospects who have come into your funnel or into your sales process, I should say. I should kill that funnel concept altogether. Yeah. It's hard after all these years, it still pops out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> Get your education happening in the sales process, mm -hmm. and then it makes the sale or the value transaction very, very simple and easy because the client or the prospect really understands the value you're delivering. Mm -hmm. They can now see that it actually matches or will solve the problem they're trying to solve and they're willing to make that value judgment. You know, with the dollars I'm going to spend with you, is that going to outweigh me the, or fix the problem mm. and give me a return on their investment? And if you do your education piece right, it'll happen nine times out of 10. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as you said earlier, that depending on where they come from, which uh, attract pillar, if it's coming through the Google search, they're more likely to be at that stage where I'm looking for a solution. They need to validate that through the education and the content that you're sharing. And it may very be very much uh, quicker to the point where they then exchange, you know, their credit card details with you than if someone's coming through Facebook. But it's vitally important that we continue to build that know, like and trust, build in their minds that, that we do know what we're talking about through the content there. So when we're then talking about the wow piece, is that integrated within that sales process too? Or, or is that quite a standalone or is it both? It's a continuum. Hmm. It's part of the continuum. So we have all of the, the attract process, we have the selling process, and then we have the wowing process. So it's a, a long continuum. Mm-hmm. And the wow first off starts with delivery. The sale's not completed until you've got the next order. And to get to the next order, you've got to deliver the the, the order that you've just received. Yeah. So it, it's, it's starting with the delivery part. And it's all about delivering it, your value in such a way that the client goes, man, that was a great experience. I really enjoyed working, mm. in, working with this organisation. You know, I really appreciated how they made me feel. The service was great. It's just what we all expect. Uh, when we go and buy something from somebody, we like a, a great delivery experience because that's seen as part of the value proposition. Then. So up until that point, up until you deliver something, the promise of delivery, that's all it is. It's mm. just they, the client is hoping that they're going to get a good experience. But if you give them, deliver them a great experience, that just builds the value, the perceived value of the transaction in their eyes from their side of the fence. Yeah. So it's a very important part. And that's where we start to do things like adding some extra um, tools like wow kits, we call them. For example, we do ones for ourselves, for our clients, where they have a little box uh, that's, you know, bright and colourful and it's got content in there. I've got a copy of my book is in there. I've got some brochures in there, some vouchers, vouchers from other people in there. It's all something that they don't expect. And that arrives in the mail. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. So it's, sometimes it's those unexpected things too that lift that wow experience. But once you get that wow experience happening, then you start to get testimonials flowing, case studies flowing. And these people become part of your promotional or attract strategy again because they're getting your story out there, but they're telling their world their connections about you. And then they'll start to refer clients as well if they've had a great experience. And that's why it's so important to wow them mm-hmm. um, after the sale because the job's not done until you get the next sale. They're not wowed after the sale. The chances of them coming back again a second time mm. are significantly reduced. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're speaking, I can think of a couple of situations where I made an investment and unfortunately, you know, a product might have arrived and only part of it. Uh, I'll give you an example. I bought a mini mixer on, on um, online and when it arrived, the cord to plug it in uh, wasn't there. And so I reached out to them. I tell you, it was, it was in my office within 24 hours. But, you know, there was a couple of emails in between and they were so polite. And because of mm-hmm. that, because they really cared and he called me even after hours, 
that experience, would I buy from them again? Absolutely, even though initially only part of the product arrived. So that wow experience, even in situations where you may not quite have it delivered, how you react is very much going to determine whether someone say, you know, what they say about you and whether they come back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody, all of us realise that, you know, things go wrong. Hmm. The world's not a perfect place 100% of the time. It's how you respond to when things go wrong. That's really when your customer service is actually put to the test yes. and truly evaluated. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a promise again rather than an actual fact. Be very, very careful of how you respond. Yeah. And I've and seen a number of people try to respond to customer service issues through doing through social media well, and things like that. And some say. of them are just legendary bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that kind of segues beautifully into the the last point that we're talk, going to talk about is that we do live in an online and an offline world and your customers may very well be sharing their displeasure in how you responded online and not just for one person to hear but for many hundreds and so it's interesting uh, Ian and you can certainly speak to this there's one large organization I can't remember who it was but it was a big brand that said we are not even going to venture online because we just do not have the bandwidth to be able to manage you know our reputation online but guess what our customers are there and whether you know it or not they are probably sharing and talking about your company anyway so wouldn't you rather have, be able to have some impact to the conversation conversation by making sure that we live uh, that we are very much interacting both offline and online yes oh absolutely i've got my own horror stories around <laughs> that as well i'm sure most people most <laughs> listeners here have in that situation they were just so short-sighted i mean there are tools out there now that will actually manage or, or they trawl the interwebs and put onto your desktop and you know in the inbox and saying you know, here's what people are saying about you. And you can actually, without going searching for it, it actually comes to you and you can see all of the positives and if there is a negative, mm. yeah, there you, you've got to deal with it, not shy away from it because the old adage was is that, you know, you, if you do well by one person, they'll only tell one person. You do bad by one person, they'll tell 10. Yeah. Well, it's that 10 has been 10x or 100x now with uh, the internet. So you've got to be extremely careful with that and you can't hide from it. No. Um, conversely, you can't hide from the offline world either. And we see a lot of this with people's marketing. Is this a, you know, they might have a beautiful website, but their business card doesn't match. Mm -hmm. Their brochure material doesn't match. You know, their branding is all over the place. You know, the way they present themselves in the offline world is very different to the online world. And when you do that, People see it. You can't hide it. People see it nowadays. Yeah. And once you have brand conflict, poof, any relationship, any getting that, any knowing, liking, and trusting you just disappears immediately. So you've got to get both worlds working together. Then you get this beautiful synergistic effect happening 
you know, one plus one equals three or five even. You can't do one without the other. Yeah, we just can't neglect it. Just like uh, if we were thinking of investing in someone, we might ask a colleague, what do you think of them? I know you've used them. We now will also go online and it's incredible to do a Google search, what you find about a particular company and how often have we as companies or businesses gone online and had a look and what's out there, what's being said, what's the first few things people are going to to learn if they Googled our names. For some oh, businesses, it's horrifying. Oh, absolutely. And you have to be very careful. We do this with a number of our clients now where we actually do a um, social research for them. Yes. Where, where we go and actually search not just for them, their company brand, but key individuals within the organisation. And we've seen some absolute horror stories out there yeah. uh, where people have, you know, people might be bidding for a very major contract and they've got people like their, you know, senior project manager, <laughs> you know, and, and you look at their social media mm. um, um, content and you go, my goodness me. Yeah. That photo of you person. dancing with... on the table last Saturday night, maybe not a good idea. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> particularly with all that drug paraphernalia yeah. hanging around in the background. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, we joke about it, but in all seriousness, it doesn't take long for someone to do a bit of a background search or pick up a telephone. And if what you're saying in one area is not aligned with what other message you're, you're sending out, that disjoint um, information is going to cause distrust and as we know in this environment trust is one of those things that can take forever to build and it can be destroyed within a couple of minutes so we really need to be careful don't we oh absolutely and I'd even say it can be destroyed in a nanosecond yeah. Yeah. Now, nowadays you know uh, and in, in just the offline world it would take a few minutes or even a few days yes uh, but now it's just nanoseconds. Yeah, one tweet, that's all. It can, and it really has. Yeah. I know. I mean, we can probably share some yeah. stories where one tweet, uh, unfortunately, the push of that button has caused careers to come to an end. And yeah, it really is that serious for, for sure. I have loved speaking with you today, mm. Ian. How can people find out more about um, the, the services and the amazing value that you offer your clients? How can we find out more? Okay, this, I've got two two websites that worth looking into. The first one, our main one, is intertype, which is I-N-T-E-R-T-Y-P-E dot com dot A-U. So you can come there and um, join the conversation, get on our list, get in touch with us via our social media presence, or you can catch us through, our uh, again, our social media, which is, for me, it's just Ian Bosler uh, on Facebook, same on Google and same on LinkedIn. So you can catch me there. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, but um, I'm not very prolific there. I still don't get that. I can't get that working for me from a business sense, so I don't worry too much about it. Alternatively, if you're a coach or a consultant, I've got a, a website that's specifically designed for coaches and consultants where we've created some a, a marketing and sales process and a done-for-you approach that's very, very unique out there in the world. Uh, and you can catch up with me there and start to see some of, our content there as well uh, on the website for that is seven figure that's the number seven not the word but the number seven and then figure coach.com.au 
fantastic. So please go and check out all of those resources. Speak to Ian. I mean, I know I've had a number of conversations with you, Ian, and you're certainly doing that in your businesses. You've got that whole attract, sell and wow framework working incredibly well for your business. And now, of course, are helping other coaches do that for themselves too. It really is um, an exciting new world, but it can be quite confusing if you're not doing it correctly. It can be not only confusing, but frustrating and very expensive. So thank you for coming on the oh, show. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Lovely to be here, um, uh, Anne-Marie, and uh, hopefully the listeners have got something out of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, did you have something else that you wanted to say, one last parting insight? One last little parting insight. The Intertype business is a printing business. And we actually do use the whole attract sell wow process and it's extremely highly automated. So when you come on over there and do anything to engage with us through that website, you'll see it in, in operation, yeah, sure. that automation. But to give you an idea how well it works, the printing industry itself is declining by about 5% per year in volume terms. Mm. Our businesses are growing at 40% a year. There you go. Uh, we do that in the business our size would typically have three or four people in the sales team. We don't have anybody, except for me, a couple of hours a day. Yeah. At, all down to the automation process. So, you know, it does work. Yes, you walk your talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it does work. Mm. You've just got to get all of the right components in place. Uh, and everything that you said today, you've been able to do that with your intertype business. So absolutely, if someone's listening today that this is such a confusing topic, uh, really connect with you on both of those websites. We have them also too in the show notes that you can click through. Ian, do you want to just say both of those websites again for people? Okay, the first one is intertype. It's I-N-T-E-R-T-Y-P-E dot com dot A-U. And the other one is Seven Figure Coach. And that's seven, the number seven, sevenfigurecoach.com.au. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Ian. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. And I do encourage you, reach out to Ian, go to the, both those websites and sign up for his um, various offers because then you can actually see in action what we've been talking about today so that you can start to implement that in your business. Now, if you want to connect with Australia's foremost collective of business experts and thought leaders to SMEs, go to www.ssba.net.au. That's ssba.net.au.